Hey y'all, it's Janice here, aka J Nice on the mic, and this is Dirty Diversity, a podcast on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is called Dirty Diversity because in this day and age, diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions. The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, aka J Nice on the mic. <laughs> that was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey y'all, Jay Nice on the mic with episode 24 of the Dirty Diversity podcast. I'm so excited to be here with y'all today. I'm in an excellent mood today. I got seven and a half hours of sleep last night, so I'm feeling amazing today. I've been using the weekends as really a time to rest and recoup. It has been such an exhausting month, last few weeks. Um, and in this episode, I really wanted to talk about the censoring of Black people, but in particular, Black women online. Um, so I've been trying to get a lot more rest, and I've just been, you know, with everything going on, I'm so uh, grateful and thankful for the amount of help I've been asked to give organizations and companies. And you know, it's I, I am the busiest I've ever been since my career started, since I started doing diversity and inclusion and equity work um, within the last few years. So I'm really grateful for this moment right now in history in July of 2020. Um, and, you know, but I'm realizing that I also need to allow myself time to rest. And I've been feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And I'll explain to you why in just a little bit. But um, part of the reason is because um, I am so excited to share that I um, just received yesterday, I just got an email from the editor of a journal I was submitting to, and I just got word that my journal I was working on with one of my former professors, our journal um, submission, our journal article has been accepted into the journal. So I'm so happy that I'm able to share some of the insights that I've I've just learned along the way since I've been consulting, working as an external consultant. So I'm really excited. But, you know, within the last month, I was working on this journal article. I'm the first author, which basically means that um, the first author of a journal article does a large majority of the work in the writing. And so I was doing that. I was also writing my Forbes articles. 
I've also, you know, I just wrote uh, some articles for Business Insider. And on top of that, I was doing workshop after workshop after training, diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting, trying to promote my book, and keeping up with the podcast. So I've been, you know, it's been a really, really overwhelming time, but I'm thankful and grateful that things will slow down for a little bit. And I've decided I'm taking a week off the very end of July. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to say is it would mean the world to me if you could take a moment to rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening. What this does is it helps other people to find the Dirty Diversity podcast. Also, secondly, if you have had a chance to purchase the book Dirty Diversity and there's a link to get your copy of the book in the show notes, I would love it if you would leave a review on Amazon so that other people can know how the Dirty Diversity book will benefit them and can learn more about it. Um, So I really encourage you to leave a review. It would mean the world to me. So I wanted to talk with you all today about civil discourse. I feel like in the United States and, you know, I I guess probably in general, we've lost our ability to engage in intelligent dialogue and have civil discourse. I've I've really noticed that uh, people are incapable of having conversation with somebody who they disagree with. And I am not the type of person that, you know, I love to have conversations with people who I do not agree with. Because what I found is that when I have conversations with people who see things from a different perspective as me, I always end up leaving the conversation learning something. So when you have conversations with people who see things the exact same way that you see them, we don't always learn and grow in a way that we would if uh, the person sees something differently than us. So and those who, those of you listening who follow me on Instagram know this already or may know this if you saw my post uh, recently, but so for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram, there's a link to follow me on Instagram in the show notes if you want to see exactly what I'm talking about. But I wrote a article about reparations a couple days ago, and y'all will remember that on last week's episode of the podcast, I was talking specifically about reparations, and I decided after talking with y'all about some of my thoughts about reparations that I wanted to write a very clear and concise article. If y'all listened to last week's episode, I was kind of all over the place, and that's the thing with me. Um, one thing about me that I've noticed is I'm I, I do a better job articulating myself when I write. Writing is my jam. Writing is my thing. When I have to really express myself and convey how I'm feeling, I will go to the pen and paper because I'm I'm better at conveying my feelings when I take a moment to sit and write it down. So I actually sat and wrote it down. I did a lot of research for this article for this particular article. It was a lot of work. It took me a couple days to write. Usually, I can bang out an article in a couple of hours, but this one took me a couple days because I wanted to make sure I allotted the uh, an adequate amount of time to really create a well-written article. So um, I wrote this article. Uh, again, a link to it is in the show notes about reparations. And um, I just must first uh, preface this by saying my partner 
isn't 100% on boards with the reparations conversation. I had this conversation with my partner about reparations and what his thoughts were on reparations. And he said that he didn't think it was feasible um, simply because he thinks determining who reparations should actually go to is challenging. So reparations in terms of descendants of American slaves. Um, another term for descendants of American slaves is ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves. So for the remainder of this uh, podcast episode, I'm just going to say ADOS for the sake of like you know, ease and comfortability. Um, So anyway, my partner isn't 100% on board with reparations. So I took his feedback into consideration. And I like to, I, you know, I just thought it would be a good idea to craft an article on if we in the United States determined a system to figure out who reparations should go to, what could reparations look like? And, um, you know, I clearly laid that out in three ways that reparations, kind of three and a half ways that reparations could be given in the United States. And, you know, I knew that the article would be a little bit controversial. Sometimes I write articles and I'm like, "Mm, I think this one is going to be, this one's a little spicy, you know, this one's a little bit, you know, it's going to, it's going to hit different for people. And Some people may, it might be a little bit controversial. You know, when I wrote this one article on why unconscious bias trainings fail, I knew it would be a little, little controversial, a little spicy, but um, I, sometimes I don't know to the extent, of course. And other times I write things thinking it's going to be controversial and it, it, it's not. And um, it goes over really well with people, but I knew this one would be controversial, but I didn't know I would be getting hate mail to the extent that I'm getting hate mail. So, um, you know, I have to also, you know, point out that I think that um, there should be a committee that is funded by the U.S. government that really researches reparations and how it could work. And I believe that such a committee has already been discussed, but I'm not quite sure what the status of it is in the U.S. And I think I understand that finding out people's heritage and lineage is an ongoing and long process. And there's a lot of logistics. The logistics can be tricky, but I do think it can happen. Um, My partner watches a show, I think it's called Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates. If any of y'all have seen it on PBS, and I've watched it sometimes, and it's a really cool show where they, you know, Henry Louis Gates and his team on the show, they, um, they take celebrities. I know Chris Rock was up there and a bunch of other celebrities, and they take celebrities and, and find out their heritage and their lineage and their a- ancestry. And I know it takes a long process, but I think that if we could really figure out who and determine who is actually Eidos, who's a descendant of American slaves, um, then we can figure out who to give reparations to. Um, but you know, after I wrote this article, I was given a really cruel reminder of how whenever black people, but particularly black women, whenever we raise our voices, we are routinely and systemically silenced. I was in this past weekend, I was inundated with emails from white people who were angry at the suggestion that a black woman made for reparations. There is a lot of, you know, and I'm really shocked that nobody's used the N-word yet, you know, because I, you know, I've been on YouTube making videos, as some of y'all may know, but I've been making videos on YouTube since 2011. 
And my YouTube videos have been controversial. And, uh, you know, I've gotten messages and people have even written in the comments where they call me the N-word. They call me a monkey. They call me a half-cast. They call me all kinds of names. So I think that it's been almost 10 years since I've been creating YouTube videos. So I've grown a really thick skin. So uh, angry emails don't... Um, affect me and don't really bother me. But it's interesting because people are writing these emails without even understanding and realizing my parents are from Cameroon. So if the US government decided to give reparations, I would not get a single dime. So that's what's really interesting because the messages that I'm getting from people are saying, I'm asking for a handout, I'm li I'm lazy, I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't get a dime of it. And I don't think I should get a dime of it because I'm not Eidos. I'm not, you know, my family didn't come from uh, American slaves. My family came here through their own volition. Um, but I really think that we need to revisit the reparations conversation if we want to get to a point of healing, starting to heal in our country. Um, and, you know, it's important to think about how we even move forward as a country if we never rectified and remedied the ghosts of our past. I really believe there has to be a public acknowledgement and restitution in order for us to begin the healing process. Um, you know, and I, I, I liken it to, and I always say, imagine you had a significant other that was mistreated mistreating you and then they didn't apologize or acknowledge what happened but then asked you why you weren't over it it's like someone consistently cheating on you um, or mistreating you in any other way not acknowledging what happened and then saying you need to just get over it the trust has been broken and it takes years and sometimes decades to repair a person's trust so just imagine how black people in america must feel uh, after we've been consistently killed, raped, lynched, beaten, not believed, and then being told to get over it and move past it. And it wasn't me. So just get over it. It's, it's just so odd to me. But you know, it's interesting that you can't even make a suggestion that reparations or restitution is needed in this country. And it's sad that we've come to a point where we've lost our ability to engage in civil discourse. I am open and willing to listen to anyone's perspective and actually, again, prefer to engage in dialogue with people who don't necessarily agree with me. Me and my partner, we don't always agree on a lot of things. And he calls me, um, he says I'm a little bit militant. And he says I'm very, um, you know, my views are, I'm very strong in my views. And I feel like if I was living in the, you know, in d decades ago, if I was born in a different era, I definitely would have been a Black Panther, you know, and, and I'm very pro-Black. And it's important for people to understand pro-Black does not by any means mean anti-white. I am really, you know, proud of who I am and proud of my heritage. And, and I am also not part of ADOS. And I do think that the reparations conversation has to happen if we are ever going to start healing in this country from the ghosts of our past. Um, you know, I'm, I just really want us to get to a point where we're able to engage in this, in this discourse, in this dialogue. And I have a friend um, named Dr. Kimia, and um, some of you listening to this may, may have been familiar with her, but she, I connected with her initially at some point, maybe within the last year or two on LinkedIn. 
Um, we really connected. She's a, another really talented and strong black woman. And she was consistently writing about things like white supremacy on her social media page, on her LinkedIn page. And um, recently, within the last few months, she was kicked off of LinkedIn. And I know that that has happened to her on other social media platforms, but it's it happens to black women on every platform. And, you know, when we speak out and speak up about things, we are routinely silenced and we are, um, you know, our voice, our voices are stifled. So when you, for those of you listening who are not part of the black community, if in the last month you've been thinking, how can I be an ally? Um, one of the most effective ways to be an ally is bringing more awareness to this particular issue of the silencing of black people and particularly black women. Um, I think for black women, it's challenge. It's even more challenging to speak our minds because we get labeled as angry black women. You know, we get that angry black woman label where whenever we speak our minds, if we're doing it in a way that doesn't coddle white feelings, we are told that we are, we need to say it more softly or say it more nicely. So it appeases the, the white majority. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad we are in a moment where black women can, I feel like this moment that we're in is black women can finally speak our minds and people are listening a little bit more. But I think we also need to put better safeguards in place to protect us, black women and black people in general from being silenced. I follow the CEO of Instagram. Um, I think his last name is Mansouri. Uh, on Instagram, and I, I think y'all should follow him. He's a, a cool person to follow. Um, but he recently, within the last, I think he's taking an Instagram hiatus um, because I, I believe he said his wife had a baby. So he's kind of um, taking time off and, you know, taking some time away. But he said that he acknowledged and recognized that censorship is a, an issue on Instagram and said that Instagram would work on it, I know it happens a lot on Facebook and there's articles about it. Um, I'm going to put an article that I wrote in the show notes about censorship where I interviewed Dr. Kimia. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping that change will happen online. And um, again, thinking about allyship as a non-black person listening to this, um, again, aside from bringing awareness, uh, bringing more awareness to this particular issue, um, one of the best ways uh, for you to be an effective ally is to share our stories and experiences and point out these inequities. Um, Medium is a great way to share stories. And I, I really like Medium because I, I think that a lot of, um, I know uh, Dr. Kimia, who got booted off of different social media platforms, she is on Medium. A lot of Black people who have been censored and and taken off of different platforms are using Medium. And I think Medium is great um, for us to share our stories. And also Medium allows us some anonymity because when you're putting out stories um, like myself, like I've done that are controversial, you get hate mail. And I've never gotten hate mail to the level that I'm getting now for this reparations article. Um, but it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit unnerving um, getting a bunch of, you know, people calling me the B word and people calling me all kinds of things and saying, I'm asking for handouts and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. So sometimes people feel better just, um, just publishing anonymously. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's another good option. Um, so if you're listening to this 
again, and you're not a black person and you've been wondering how you can amplify black people, share our stories and listen to us. I think too often we, black people, are censored and silenced. Again, whenever we say things that make white people uncomfortable and that spark white fragility and hurt the feelings of white people. But one really important thing that I want you to think about and understand is sitting in comfortability is not going to produce long-term changes. And I'm going to repeat that. I'm going to run that back. (laughs) Sitting in comfortability is not going to produce long-term changes. Think about any time in your life when you were moved to actually change something, change a habit, change a behavior. There was a catalyst, oftentimes something that made you uncomfortable that moved you to change. Sometimes it may have been someone saying something to you that made you angry or made you sad, and then you realize, like, wow, I need to change that, and you took the necessary steps to do so. So if I tell you something in the nicest way, most of the time it's going to go over your head and you're not going to listen. And I, you know, I think it's so important for us to understand that we can no longer sugarcoat or soften the message. Again, I'm going to run back that quote of sitting in comfortability is not going to produce long-term changes. So we have to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. So, you know, um, if you really are listening to this and you're thinking, what can I do? How can I help uh, black people? Again, amplifying our stories and our voices. Um, Check your own people. Check whether that's your white people, your Indian community, your Asian community. Check your people because anti-blackness, you don't have to be, um, you know, I think there's a misconception that, oh, I'm not white, so I I can't be racist. But anti-blackness is rampant in communities of color as well. And that's a whole nother, maybe that'll be next week's episode. You know, maybe I'll talk about white adjacency and anti-blackness and communities of color. You know what? I think that's going to be episode 25 next week. We're going to talk about that y'all, but, um, use your privilege to impact change and increase awareness, but don't center yourself in our plight, our experiences and our stories. Simply listen and amplify when you can. So I think that that is all for today. There's no um, Black History Spotlight today uh, per se, but the Black History Spotlight that I want you to do is find a Black person that you're connected with on online and on social media, in person that you know, and amplify their voice. Repost something from their page or send them money via their cash app, via their Venmo, contribute to them in some sort of way, pour into them, pour into us. Um, So that's kind of like the Black History Spotlight for today. Thank y'all so much for listening. I really appreciate that you all could have been anywhere, but you're here listening to me. I hope that you are able to take something away from this episode. I hope that y'all enjoyed this episode again. If you do enjoy it, take a moment to just leave a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. I love you all with all my heart, and I will check y'all out in the next episode.